Good morning and good coffee, everybody. Hey, it's time for some morning coffee with Larry, and I'm glad that you are here to join with me today on a nice, brisk, but very comfortable morning out here uh, on the farmstead. Uh, it is Friday, the 3rd of December. It's supposed to be in the 60s today, I believe. And I am coming to you again from the deer stand. Uh, looking out on a north, roughly 30-acre piece of ground. And I see lots of brown weeds, but I'm not seeing any movement of deer right here. When I was coming up and parked my car, because I don't walk all the way out here, um, that gets me too hot and too tired when I'm bundled up. But I saw two doe just as I parked. They were coming towards me down a waterway. And I slowly got out of the truck and I was slowly getting my gun to see if I, they would just stay there. But no, they were too smart. They flipped their tails and ran off the opposite direction. <laughs> I guess I do see one thing out there besides birds. And as I look to the east, I see some orange up in a tree. So there's a, a neighbor up here, and uh, he is out there hoping to uh, find him something to put in the freezer for this next year. Um, I have, uh, I, as I said, I haven't gotten anything yet, but I was able to uh, uh, receive a wonderful gift from my uh, son Andy of some of the deer that he got two weekends ago. And we, uh, we cut up, uh, I cut up most of it and did a pressure canning of the meat uh, with some Italian seasoning packets and uh, pepperoncinis uh, layered in there. And then you pressure can that. And whenever you open it up, what you have is this incredible Italian beef. Although it's venison, it tastes just like beef. So uh, did up seven quarts yesterday. I've got a quart and a pint yet to do that couldn't fit in the pressure canner. So we'll, I'm keeping it in the fridge for a little bit. Hopefully uh, either somebody will give me some deer meat or I'll actually have success and uh, do a little bit more. I like pressure canning meat. I like the, the tenderness. It's like having a, uh, a pot roast. Um, but it's it's shelf stable. It'll last for years on your shelf if you keep it in you know a dark location, and it's properly you know canned and sealed. Um, for those of you who have not done you know home canning, there's right ways and wrong ways of doing it. And if you do it the wrong way, it can be lethal. Uh, but it's not hard to do it the right way. You just have to follow some simple rules. And it is kind of an enjoyable thing. But uh, we do have deep freezes uh, where, we, uh, where we keep meat and a few other items in there. But a few years ago, we had um, an older deep freeze that went out and we didn't discover it for several days afterwards and lost a lot of deer meat. And so the uh, last years that we had uh, I canned 42 quarts of the meat, and I like it. It's good. Um, 
My wife likes it when it's doctored up with the different spices and things like the Italian beef, so that's why we're, we're doing more of that. Uh, but today, I thought I would just uh, talk a little bit on a topic and, uh, uh, and uh, kind of see where it goes. As many of you know, because I've brought it up before if you've listened to this podcast in the past, uh, I'm an old Boy Scout. I am an Eagle Scout uh, and have loved the scouting movement, especially the, you know, the, the early days of it I find fascinating. It was developed by uh, a man who was a very respected and celebrated British general by the name of uh, Baden-Powell, uh, his last name hyphenated. And he was uh, made a lord in the British Empire and became Lord Baden-Powell. He was very successful uh, with a uh, particular campaign in the Boers Wars down in Africa in the 1800s, where uh, a city was completely surrounded by the Boers, and he had very limited troops uh, to defend the city, and it was going to be many months before reinforcements came in, and he utilized the population of that city, and especially the boys of that city, uh, to trick the enemy into thinking they were much better prepared than what they actually were. Now, I'm not going to get into the long story, but uh, that's how he really became, um, I guess you could say, first um, motivated for what youth could do, and especially in his case, what boys could do. Um, but the in Boy Scouts, the motto of the Boy Scout movement is be prepared. And the Boy Scouts utilize that through nearly all their, their training program, their leadership program. It all ties into be prepared. And many, many years ago, probably a hundred years ago, there was, a, a, I think it was a newspaper reporter asked him, well, what are they supposed to be prepared for? And Baden-Powell's response was, why any old thing? <laughs> I love that. Be prepared for any old thing. And, uh, and you see that if you've been a Boy Scout, you see that in what they do when they have their camperies uh, and compete against other troops. They compete on first aid, on wilderness survival, on uh, scout craft knowledge, you know, fire starting, um, compass, uh, following a map, uh, all kinds of things in case something happens because Boy Scouts go out on adventures. When I was a scout, I had two high adventure trips. One was canoeing in the boundary waters between Canada and Minnesota. The other was going into the mountains of New Mexico for 10 days, hiking 62 miles at Philmont Scout Ranch, hiking up in the Rockies. I went with my son's troop 
and did, um, what was it, 26 miles, I think it was, in the Beartooth Wilderness of Montana. And guess what? On every single one of those trips, something unplanned happened. And we utilized those skills of be prepared. And that has, I can, I can honestly say that a big part of my life, my decisions, my outlook ties into that idea of be prepared. And as I have gone through my career, and at this point I'm technically retired, uh, but I'm hoping over the next year that uh, health will be such that I may get in and do a little bit do, do more of things that uh, I've been having cooking in my head for a while. Uh, but now I lost my train of thought. <laughs> um, but anyway, oh, I know. Uh, in my line of work, I have met people who were like-minded, like me, who, you know, had a, a life patterns of being prepared for any old thing. And others who weren't. They lived hand to mouth. They had no reserve. Their, their life had little planning beyond the day. And I've learned that not in every case, but for a, a lot of those folks that... Um, you can help them out. But it's like their mindset is such that they, they don't really put a lot of that into practice. I've had some that did. You know, some counseling success stories regarding those kind of life choices and decisions. But others, no, that's not the case. It's, it's kind of like continued lack of planning, lack of preparations, lack of having a be prepared mindset. But what should they be prepared for? Well, you got to be prepared for things that don't go according to plan. I went to college to become a high school teacher. I was planning on teaching psychology and public speaking. And there were many in my class graduating from Eastern back in 1987 that were planning similar things. People who were planning on being psychology teachers, I think there was around 25 of us that were graduating with that goal, as well as speech teachers, public speaking teachers. I don't know if any of us found jobs because I was willing to move you know, into other states surrounding Illinois. I didn't want to move anywhere, but I was willing to move anywhere in Illinois in any state that touched Illinois. Nope. Never found a job. Things didn't go according to plan. But I also had a motto ingrained in my head, which was be prepared. And with that be prepared motto, I looked at things not as just purely deg the degree, but what were, what were my skills? What's my skill set 
that would allow me to do those jobs as well as do others. So I had a skill set of public speaking. I had a skill set of organization. I had a skill set of having uh, a lot of experience with community groups. And that led me to be able to successfully get a job that actually led to a change in career of working in mental health. I worked in drug abuse prevention for a couple, well, like three years, uh, which was my first job in this field. That's kind of a be prepared for any old thing. Now, for many of you, if you're my age, you, you know, are probably most are still working. But there's things that can happen, isn't there? There's things that can happen. How many of you have had the challenges of a prolonged illness that came out of the blue, that hits you harder? Well, that was the case for me. That happened to me in June. And it resulted in me being off work for several months. That was something that I was partially prepared for, but not totally prepared for. I thought about it the year before. I thought about, hey, I need to take, uh, take out some short-term disability insurance. But I never got around to doing it. So that, you know, created a, a situation of challenges. And luckily, there was, I was able to learn about a thing that allowed me to uh, do an early retirement. And while it does not cover everything, it covers enough for me to better recover. What are some other things that we need to prepare for? Well, I was talking to a person recently that had a good job and was making good money, but uh, has been let go. Changes in rules and regulations of the company and this person who had, you know, really good skill set, did their job well, let go. So, that's a thing that can happen. Do you have unemployment insurance? Well, you know, you have through the state. Do you have adequate, you know, savings? to weather those kind of storms. You know, the um, uh, recently there was a uh, uh, article that came out in one of the medical trade publications that talked about due to logistics issues around the world that we've been having, you know, tying in with like the shipping containers and, and beyond shipping containers, that there are over 100 medications that are popular medications that uh, there's shortfalls in. So, do you have a medication that you absolutely need? There's a medication that I take on a daily basis and have for 21 years. And actually, it's more than that. But anyway, <laughs> I've been on it for a long time. It's a very specific one. It's not rare. However, a few years ago, something happened with the production. 
And guess what? I was not able to buy it at Walmart for over three months. I was not able to buy it anywhere for about three months. So I had to switch to a different medicine that didn't work that well. Needless to say, that taught me a lesson that I like keeping a little bit more of a supply of medication just in case. Because some medications you have to have. Some medications you can't just... You don't want to put into the, the, somebody else's hands that you would have it. So, I take a blood pressure medicine also. Blood pressure is a bad thing if it gets too high. So, I keep a several month supply. Why? I want to be prepared in case there was a disruption. Now, a, few a couple of months ago, I was down visiting my son in Kentucky. And around that area, one of the big stores that people go to is Dollar General. They've got some pretty decent sized Dollar Generals there. There was one that only was filled about 30%. What do I mean? 70% of the shelves were empty. And that was the conversation that was taking place between staff and customers. And they said, we don't know when we're getting another truck in. That's happened at our local Walmart, where uh, a few weeks ago, they were out of milk one night, completely out. Now, there was a, sh a shipment came in, I think, like two days later, if I heard right. But... Do you only have enough food for a couple of days in your house or in your apartment? And if there is a disruption, is that going to throw you into a panic? It's kind of like what Dave Ramsey always says about money. You want to have an emergency fund and buying pizza on a Friday night is not an emergency requiring an emergency fund. But you know what? If you live hand to mouth, and you don't have adequate savings, then if you run out of diapers because you're, you've got a little one in the house and you don't have the money to buy them, now that has become a crisis emergency. Or if you blow a tire, and tires aren't cheap like they used to be. And that's one of the areas also where there's some disruption currently, because tires are not made that much in the U.S. anymore, and they come across on shipping containers. But being a landlord, I can't tell you how many times tenants have said, I can't pay rent when it's due because I had to get a new tire, or I had to use the rent money to fill up my tank with gas so I could get to work. And unfortunately, not all of them are that case, but many people, that's, that's that they're living hand to mouth. I'm not putting blame anywhere. I'm just stating a, a reality fact. You know, if all of a sudden there was a lockdown, a hard lockdown, like what's happening in some countries right now, Austria, Australia, 
uh, some of the Scandinavian countries are starting hard lockdowns. Do you got enough of this or that to get through a lockdown? There's a lot of change that has happened over the past 48 months. Prices have increased. If you've been grocery shopping lately, you definitely see that. The Dollar Tree is now like the Dollar 25 tree. That's a 25% increase. Gasoline, a year ago, maybe $2. Now, anywhere from three and a quarter to three fifty. Propane going up. There is big concerns about a propane shortage this winter because apparently there is a pipeline up in uh, Michigan that is being shut down for some reason. And every day it's shut down, they have a three million gallon shortfall of propane each day. When, if you live in the country, if you live outside of a city, propane is your heat source. That is your go-to fuel. So do you have adequate supplies? Do you have things? Now, I'm not saying you need to go out and dig a hole in the ground and bury something and have a bunker underground. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about do you have that, like the Dave Ramsey emergency fund for things other than just uh, money? Just some things to think about. You know, uh, I've always been fascinated with space travel. Apollo, uh, shuttle missions, that kind of stuff. And one of the things that they do is they have redundancy. They have multiple duplicate systems. So if one system goes down, they've got a backup and they have a backup to the backup. So if you're in an all-electric home and that's your heat source, and let's say you live in an area where you typically don't have really, really bad winters, do you worry that, or have a concern, because I don't like worry, but do you have a concern that something could happen? Well, what was it about a year ago down in Texas? They had a, a freeze that happened that they normally don't have, and it knocked out the power grid. And it was super cold. Things were frozen. Pipes were frozen. They didn't have water you know, availability. Things shut down because the power grid shut down and those who were on all electric homes and that was their only plan found themselves up that creek without a paddle. There were others that had redundancies. They had propane or maybe they had kerosene with you know like small kerosene heaters, propane heaters, and they were able to, to fare that better. A lot of people on farms have 
propane run generators, whole house generators, especially if they got livestock operations and they need electricity to keep things going right if there is an outage. You get a bad ice storm, you can be without electricity for anywhere from one to three weeks. That's kind of routine in some areas. So, in bringing this back around, When there's lots of change, there can be disruption. Are you prepared for disruption? Or are you walking around thinking everything's gonna just work out fine and I'm totally fine and I don't need to think about something bad, something unexpected, something unpleasant happening? Well. If you listen to this podcast, I'm going to venture to say that you use logical thinking, that you're not an overly emotional thinker, and that you're looking at this saying, you know what, I, I actually do this, Larry. Or, you know, I hadn't thought about it, but what you're saying kind of makes sense. Maybe I need to start uh, doing some of that. You know. Look at your, look in your cabinets. Look at your pantry. You know, f- farmers. I come from a, a, a prepared family because they they were farmers. They raised all their own food. My both sets of grandparents. They raised all their own food. About the only thing I remember, my my grandma. You know, one grandma was living in town when I was you know, about the time I was born. The other one still lived on the farm. But I remember they would buy flour from the store. Um, They would buy rice from the store. But every single vegetable and every single bit of meat came from the farm. And they raised a family through the whole decade of the Great Depression. It wasn't just a little hiccup. The Great Depression was a decade. And they did they did well. I mean, well, they didn't they didn't get ahead, but they kept the farm and they kept their bellies full and they they kept themselves together. So that's kind of a mindset that ties into mine. It's okay to have you know, when I think about that, they, they wouldn't just raise a year's worth of food. They, they would raise a year and a half's worth of food. Because you didn't know how the planting season was going to be the next year. So you better have some extra. Just in case. Be prepared. All right. That's it for today. Uh, I'm going to lament with the fact that I did not have to interrupt this podcast because a deer was coming. (laughs) I'm not seeing a thing. So uh, I will probably in a little while venture out walking and see if I can stir something and at least see it. So, hey, you guys have a great weekend. Make the most of it. And we will catch you next time. Bye-bye.